0: Welcome to the Kerry Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au The Bible reading today is from Matthew 7 verse 15 to 23. Watch out for false. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord why do we not why we, lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me. Thank you,
1: Georgia. Hey, uh, my name's Mark and I uh, serve as the pastor here it's great to have you here with us this morning hey, it was awesome to see scott and holly husband and wife combo ladies leading us in worship this morning thank you guys that was really great um husband and wives can i get you guys to come up because these guys are getting married next saturday <laughs> if you don't know these guys these are this is glenn and kara um you guys joined us not long after we started didn't didn't you was it march or yeah, yeah. so they've been with us for a long time they've done a lot of this forestale journey with us car is a a teacher in the, the school here and um glenn you will have seen him up here leading worship um they're getting married on saturday and i just thought we are family we are they're just great to get them up and just pray for them as their family um and just uh i've got a a blessing from numbers that I'd just like to read over you guys as well so um, we've loved having you guys as as part of our family and I'm really excited to see what God's got in store Take this next step in your journey as a couple um, but thanks for blessing us um, over this last what 18 months or so um, we love having you both as a part of 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 us and um, yeah we're just praying that you have the best day on Saturday. Um, so we just want to pray for you. Um, Could I maybe ask you, have to come up and just put a hand on Cara's shoulder and um, we're going to pray for these guys and just bless them as they, as Jesus, we thank you for Glenn and for Cara. We thank you that they are a part of this family that they call this place home. And Lord, we just thank you that they are about to embark on a new stage of their journey where they will set up their own home where they will establish their own family and um, Lord, we thank you that we get to be a part of that journey with these guys father we thank you that they love you deeply we thank you that they love one another deeply thanks that they love us deeply Um, and we just thank you for the blessing that they have been to this community over these past um 18 months Lord, we just pray that you would be with them over this next week. We ask that you would help them to soak in and to embrace um, this next week, that you would help them to find moments of quiet and solitude, to just breathe in what's happening, to to take in. And ask that when Saturday comes, Lord, that it would be a day of great celebration, a day of incredible celebration. And we pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon Glenn and Cara as they start this new journey as husband and wife together. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would um, continue to shape them and form them, not just into the man and the woman that you created them to be, but into the couple, into that family unit that you created these two guys to be. We are thankful for them, and we just want to pray that your very best would be upon them, We ask for good weather. We ask that everything would go smoothly and that it would be a day, Lord, where they can just embrace it and enjoy it. And um, Father, pray that you might be with them for now and ever. Um, And we just thank you for them, Lord, and pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Let me just read this blessing to you guys. It's from Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and may he protect you. May the Lord smile on you. May the Lord show you his favour and may he give you peace. We got a little something here for you from from us. Um, So I'm going to give you a hug first. All right. (laughs) So um, this is a little something for you guys, but hope you have a a truly blessed day. And um, yeah, can I encourage you to, to... encourage these guys um come around um encourage them give them your marital wisdom (laughs) (laughs) only if they ask otherwise they might be inundated but give them a give them a hand and uh yeah bless you guys i was at the the congregation um earlier and uh they had a baptism and i it was a baptism like no other baptism I've seen. Um, I don't know if you know Pierre, but Peter Scott's a pretty tall guy. But P- Pierre is a, a big South African guy. Uh, I, I assume he was a rugby player because he's a big unit. And Pete baptised him. And when he came up, Pierre dragged Peter down into the uh, water and baptised Peter, something he wasn't expecting. So it was pretty good. I've never been to a baptism quite like that. So, Hey, just before I start, can I just say thanks to everyone that came on on Friday and um, helped out uh, with the night on the it was a mm-hmm. massive blessing to this community. Um, not many churches get the opportunity to connect in the way that we did on Friday. Um, and just talking to a lot of dads and the kids, they had a fantastic time. But but for those of you that came and connected with and spoke to and served. That was just a wonderful, wonderful evening. He had about 145 and and it was just, you know, that that journey that we're on with these families that don't, many of whom don't know Jesus, just an incredible opportunity. So thank you for those who were able to come and be part of that. Hey, um, over the last couple of months, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount and um, just sort of sitting in that living, you know, thinking about the Beatitudes. And I know I've been thinking deeply about the Beatitudes in particular and what it means to be blessed when you're poor in spirit, or when you're doing life tough, and enjoy doing this series. And uh, we're into chapter seven, and Ben last week um, sort of started taking us through a series of warnings that Jesus that Jesus gives, and um, we get to the end of of uh, the beatitude, sorry, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says, "Okay, it's decision time. We're at the pointy end. I've been sort of inviting you into this kingdom kingdom of mine." but now it's time to make a decision. So there's four warnings, and Ben spoke about the first one last week. The guys at Harrisdale got this, so you've got to get this because Ben's here. <laughs> but what was the first warning? Can anyone remember what I spoke about last week? This is so bad. <laughs> I feel like you need to come up and just do that again, and then just so no, because nobody can remember, I'll preach my sermon after yours so that... <laughs> He spoke, about, he, he spoke about the warning that Jesus gave in relation to the narrow and the wide path. That's the one. Yeah. Remember now, everybody say yes so Ben feels loved. So, so, so Ben spoke about Jesus warned, hey, there's, there's two paths, there's a narrow and a wide path. Um, and, and, he, and Jesus warned about that we're going to talk about the second and third warnings today and then next week is our is the last warning and that's the warning about building on the sand Jesus warns don't build on the sand make sure you build on the rock these warnings holding up uh, warning slide warning signs for us can we perhaps get that warning sign up on the screen please Jonathan that's the one um, I can almost picture Jesus holding up these warnings signs at this point and saying hey this This discipleship road that that I've been speaking about, this discipleship journey I've been inviting you into, it's a hazardous road. It's a road that has some challenges on it and um, it got me thinking about a journey that we did. We did a road trip back in 2011. We drove from Perth through South Australia, the Great Odin, spent some time in Victoria and then we went from Melbourne up to um, Jindabyne which is in the Kosciuszko National Park and the route that we took took us through uh, Kuma and Cancobe and it was just a beautiful drive. But as we were getting closer to Mount Kosciuszko, which is this, it's the tallest mountain in Australia, it's its big. And as we were getting closer, we started to see these signs, no caravans on this route. And we started to get them because we had a caravan uh, on the back of our car. And so we drove past a number of these signs and they were popping up more frequently. So we stopped at this store and, and we said to the guy, what's, what's the deal with these no caravan signs? And he said, you shouldn't take this route if you've got a caravan. And we said, well, we, we've got a caravan. He said, you should have gone in via Canberra because the roads are far less steep going in that. Way. So he said, look, our van's only small. It was only one and a half tons. Um, so it wasn't a huge van. He said, you should be okay if you take it really easy. So we, we headed off and, and we soon found out why there were no caravan signs, because there were serious hairpin bends and really, really steep roads. Um, at one point we had to stop, stop on the side of the road and lift the bonnet of the car up. I don't know what happened. There were plenty of people with their bonnets on their cars up that weren't towing vans. Um, and so we came to this one hill, and man, this hill was a steep hill. And we weren't going up, it. we were coming down it, because we'd been climbing for a long time. And I had the brake controller on the on the van turned up to maximum sensitivity. I had my foot down on the brakes. I had the car in first gear, and we were just getting pushed down this hill. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, my gosh. <laughs> we really should have heated those signs. Um, but we drove as carefully as we could. We got... We spent some time in Jindabyne, and needless to say, when we left, we went out via Canberra back the way we came. And it was actually much quicker going via Canberra because this way was just so, so hairy that it took us hours and hours to kind of get 100 k sort of thing. So we went out via Canberra. But warning signs, warning signs. The second warning sign that Jesus holds up here, and I say it's the second warning sign because remember Ben covered the first one last week. The second warning sign that Jesus gives... It is about the power of influence, the power of influence. Um, I assume, can we have the next slide, please, Jonathan? I assume most of us are familiar. Can, can anybody tell me what, what is that nursery rhyme or fairy tale or whatever? <laughs> that's me in bed. <laughs> oh, that's your best one yet, Pete. <laughs> anybody know? Little Red Riding Hood, come on guys, you work with me here. Little Red Riding Hood, <laughs> version of Little Red Riding Hood, I did a Google to find this image and, and, and I read a few snippets of the stories and there's actually different versions of Little Red Riding Hood. Some say by this stage Little Red Riding Hood's grandma had been eaten or in the G-rated versions grandma had been, the, the wolf had hidden grandma in the cupboard. So um, So by this stage... The wolf's hiding in bed, he's had entrees, waiting for the main course to arrive in Little Red Riding Hood. And then there's that dialogue, what big eyes you have and what big ears you have and what big teeth you have and then it's all the better to eat you with and he runs around chasing Little Red Riding Hood. Um, On walking into Grandma's bedroom, Little Red Riding Hood could immediately see that there was something not quite right here. This didn't quite look like Grandma. And starts to ask questions. I did ask myself the question. Grandma Mama looked anything like that. Little Red Riding Hood's grandma must have been incredibly ugly. Because um, I don't know too many grandmas that look like anything quite like a wolf. But Little Red Riding Hood starts to ask, ask questions. She couldn't quite make, make out who this was. And In this passage that we looked at today, um, that Georgia read to us. Jesus talks about wolves. But they're dressed as sheep. They're dressed as sheep. They're not dressed up in a grandma costume. Sheep were a common medicine, the flock. Jesus talks about, God talks about us in the Old Testament as, as his flock. And so Jesus warns here about false prophets who are dressing up as sheep so that they can infiltrate and become part of the flock, so they can blend in and be a part of God's family. Now, these false prophets that Jesus talks about are far, far. Better disguised than the wolf in the Little Red Riding Hood story. And that's why he says, Hey, you need to be careful. You need to be careful. Beware, Jesus says, of the people who seek to exercise influence over you. Drive carefully. The disguise is so good, says Jesus, that the only way that you can tell that this is a wolf and not a sheep is that it's dressed up, it is, is the fruit that it bears. He talks about trees, he talks about good trees bearing good fruit bad trees bearing bad fruit and and a tree bears the kind of fruit that's consistent with its character so if a tree is a good tree it bears good fruit if a tree is a bad tree it bears bad fruit so some trees, says Jesus bear figs and grapes which is good fruit some bear thorns and thistles bad fruit and wolves are the kind of tree that bear bad fruit thistles and thorns That's what wolves do, right? It's inherent in their nature. It's a part of their character. And no amount of self-discipline can change that. At some point, a wolf's character will come out in the said, Watch out for the fruit of a person's life. Don't just listen to what they say. Anyone can say the right thing, right? We can all say what we think somebody wants to hear. Don't just listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Watch their actions? Do their their actions and their words line up? Do they say one thing and do another? Is their life duplicitous? Is there two parts to this person? What's the fruit? In the New Testament, there were people who tried to infiltrate the church and sought to influence the behaviour in the early church to negatively influence the flock. And Paul and other New Testament writers, they battled against this kind of influence that was infiltrating the church. And they were constantly pushing back against bad teaching and, and bad behaviour that, that people were trying to bring into the church, that wolves were bringing into the church, that negative influence that affected what the rest of the flock believed and how they lived as followers of Jesus. So Jesus warns, hey, be careful. You've got to watch out for wolves because wolves are ferocious. They are incredibly dangerous animals. They're the natural enemy of sheep. And it's only a matter of time before it will inflict some harm on you and possibly even eat you like Little Red Riding Hood's grandma. So be careful, says Jesus, as those who are sheep, so watch out for wolves because they will inflict serious harm. So watch out for the fruit in a person's life because that's the only way, Jesus says, that you can tell a wolf from a sheep. In the New Testament, the main issue that they had was individuals infiltrating the church. So individuals would come in and and it was was in some ways possibly easier to identify wolves than it might be for us today. Because we're influenced through lots and lots and lots of different things. The persons that we're sitting next to or the people that we spend time with. We're influenced by the Christian books that we buy, the Christian videos that we watch the Christian podcasts that we listen to and the, and, and the blogs that we subscribe to. Be careful who and what you allow to influence you. Don't assume that simply because something has a Christian badge on it that it's automatically healthy. Check out the life of the person that's offering the advice and seeking to influence you. I went to Kurong yesterday and um, I was walking down one of the aisles on Christian living and there were so many books, I just had a bit of a scan, so many books talking about health and wealth and prosperity distortions of the gospel people take that into their homes and read it and influenced by that stuff so be careful says Jesus what and who you allow to exercise influence over you the fruit that this person is bearing healthy are other people being nourished by the fruit that's on offer from this person are people growing as a result of what this person's influence is or are they producing thorns and thistles and lies, immorality and greed and half truth gospel? The third warning that Jesus the third warning sign that Jesus holds up relates to placing our security in the wrong thing. The next warning relates to placing it in the wrong thing. Can we have that please, John Thank you. Can anyone have a stab at what this fairy tale is? No, it's Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. Sorry, I couldn't find something a little bit clearer, but this is Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. And Alibaba is standing in front of the, the cave door and he shouts the words, open sesame, and boom, the door opens, enters the cave and there's an abundance of treasure, gold and diamonds and all sorts of stuff. All he has to do is open sesame and the door opens. Jesus is effectively saying in verse 21 in this passage, you can't just say, Lord, Lord, and boom, the door opens. Like uttering the words, open sesame. Lord, it's not going to just open, magically open the door to his kingdom. And the message translation, I love the message translation of this verse. It says, knowing the correct password, Saying Master, Master, for instance, or Lord, Lord, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. So Jesus is saying here, calling him Lord is actually insufficient. In fact, Jesus goes on to say that performing miracles in his name is also insufficient. Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did all of these miraculous things in your name. Jesus says, calling me Lord and doing stuff is still insufficient. You know, for us, it might be, Lord, I preached in your name. I led a small group in your name. I was on the morning tea roster for twenty-five years. In your name, I helped stack chairs every week after church. In your name, I volunteered at carols every year. In your name, Jesus says we can't place our trust in passwords or in formulas, saying and doing the right thing. We have to place our trust in the person. All of this, and He doesn't want us to miss this, so He holds up this sign. He holds up this sign. Don't place your security in the wrong place. Now, Jesus is not criticising people for calling him Lord. He would love it if everybody calls him Lord, but it needs to be a little bit deeper than that. He talks about Lord in this context, in the context of the final harvest, on that day. On that day is judgment, end time. And so there's eternal consequences to what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying we can't simply say the right thing. We can't simply believe the right thing or do the right thing, good works. None of that stuff counts if we don't also do the will of the Father. He talks here about doing the will of the Father. So if we don't do what it is that God asks of us, and what he asks of us here within the context of this mission, to his lordship, he asks us to live in submission to his lordship. He's warning here about us talking the right talk, but not walking the right walk. For a number of chapters, Jesus has been teaching about his kingdom. In chapter 4, he started talking about the kingdom of God is at hand. And the whole of the Sermon on the Mount talks about how we do life in his kingdom. Every kingdom has a king, right? don't have a kingdom without a king. And God is the kingdom. Sorry, God is the king of his kingdom. And so we need to submit ourselves to his lordship and to do what he asks of us. I was reflecting on some questions around lordship and what, what they might mean for us, what kind of questions Jesus might, Jesus might ask us that are pertinent to this question of lordship. And the kind of questions that come up, will you truly trust me? When the chips are down and when life is incredibly hard, will you trust me? I think that's a lordship question. Will you forsake yourself? We see stories of Jesus calling the disciples, and they have to forsake their own agendas and their own plans in order to follow Jesus. Am I prepared to follow him and forsake my own agendas and my own plans? Am I am I willing to seek to further his kingdom rather than my own kingdom? I think that's a good lordship question. And do his kingdom values. Do his kingdom values trump my own personal values? It's another lordship question. I think it means me doing what Jesus asks of me, being the kind of person that he asks me to be, allowing him to be my king, my lord. They're all lordship questions. The message version, just to go back, speaks about what's required is serious, serious obedience, doing what the Father wills, doing what the Father wills. That's what it means to make him Lord, to do what he wills. So he must actually be Lord. Simply calling him Lord is insufficient, says Jesus. And then in verse 23, verse 23 tells us that for those who don't make him Lord, for those who don't make him Lord, a day is coming. He will say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Now I imagine this is something that will deeply sadden Jesus, something which will grieve the Father's heart incredibly deeply because we were created for relationship. We were created for relationship with Him. He loves us intimately, He loves us infinitely. That's why Jesus came so that we could be in that kind of relationship. So for Jesus to have to stand there and reject people in this way because they are unknown to Him, because they don't want to make themselves known to Him, it's an incredible tragedy. Scripture tells us that God knows all things, so this fa- the fact that Jesus, I don't know you, it doesn't mean that He's unaware as to who we are. He formed us in our mother's wombs. Psalms tells us He knit us together. He thought about us before we were even in our parents. Sort of, He had a plan for us, so He wasn't He wasn't um, ignorant as to any of our existences. What he's saying here is that when we stand before him, there are some people who he's going to say, you weren't really my follower. I'm really sorry, but you weren't following me. You weren't a true disciple. This word know means more than just knowing at an intellectual level. It means more than mere acquaintance. In Matthew chapter 1, he talks about Matthew talks about how um, Joseph knew Mary. He knew Mary intimately within the context of a marital relationship. That's the same word, no, used in Matthew chapter 1. And it's used throughout scripture to describe the special, the unique relationship that God has with us as his people. It's a relationship word. This word, no, is all about relationship. So when Jesus says, I never knew you, really what he's saying is, I'm sorry, but I can't acknowledge you as part of my family. You're unknown to me as a part of this family. The central issue here is about knowing Jesus relationally, being known by him relationally. You see, the God who spoke this entire cosmos into being, who formed us in our mother's wombs, wants to know us and to be in this intimate, loving relationship with us. For That is the very thing that each one of us were created for. I was thinking back to the closeness that Adam and Eve experienced with God in the garden. And there's this beautiful image of God fashioning Adam out of dust and creating Eve from Adam's rib and then God breathes life itself into their bodies and Genesis talks about how they walk with God in the cool of night and there's this closeness this intimacy. that's the kind of relationship that God invites us into that's what in the context of this passage to be known by him he wants more than just our empty professions of Lord Lord he wants more than just our zeal more than just our works and our enthusiasm he wants us he wants you he wants every part of you the very deepest parts of you as jesus's followers we need to be aware of what lies ahead of us we don't want to try and navigate the road the discipleship road that's in front of us without having some awareness of what lies ahead of us and and jesus puts up these signs and warns us and says hey you need to watch out for this stuff because if you don't, you might fall down a pothole. You might veer off the road. You might go off the narrow road onto the wide road. Or, worst case scenario, is you tumble off the edge of the cliff. And Jesus doesn't want that for any. That's why he gives us these warnings. He gives us these warnings because he loves us and he's as to the way we should go and the things that we should look out for. So, Jesus asks us who's currently exercising influence in your life? Who are the people that are currently exercising significant influence or any level of influence in your life? What's the fruit that's, that's being born? Is it good fruit? Is it tasty fruit? Is it life-giving fruit? Or is it, is it thorns and thistles? Jesus says, just be, just be careful who exercises that influence over you. And then Jesus gives us that other warning. Is our relationship with him formulaic? Do we just kind of go through some motions? We say, Lord, Lord, and we do some stuff that we think he wants us to do. But perhaps we're not connecting with him deeply, making ourselves known to him and allowing him to know us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you give us these warnings because you love us deeply. We thank you, Jesus, that you invite us into a relationship of knowing, a relationship where we can be known deeply, a relationship where we can know you deeply. Father, we pray that you would help us to navigate carefully, that you would help us to take heed of the warning signs and look out for the potholes, to navigate well, to navigate with wisdom and discernment. We pray that you'd bring people into our lives that would be a good influence upon us, people that might build us up and shape us help us to exercise discernment when there are wolves that would seek to us in ways that are negative and may we all call you Lord but may we also make you Lord pray Father God that your spirit would continue to shape us to transform us and to help us to be in the kind of relationship that you envisaged for us way back in the garden a relationship where we get to walk closely with a God who wants to know us intimately a God who breathed life itself into our bodies a God who sent his son Jesus so that we could have true life so today Lord may we be known and may we know you deeper in Jesus name Amen.